Welcome to the Onassis Air Conversations. My name is Mirto Katsimicha. I'm a curator and cultural worker based in Athens and your host in this series of recorded encounters with the participants of Onassis Air. Founded on the principles of learning and doing with others, Onassis Air is an international research residency program in Athens initiated by the Onassis Foundation in 2019. They say that what happens in one place stays in that place. I cannot find a better way to describe all the things that have been happening inside the Onassis Air House since I first entered as a participant of the Critical Practices program in fall 2019. The truth is, it is not easy to transmit an open-ended process of relationing which is very personal and relevant to a specific place and moment in time. How can I then give you a glimpse into that process? Everything starts with a conversation. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking with the Onassis Air participants to shed light on their artistic practices and needs, as well as to reflect on ways of being and working together. In this conversation, I'll be speaking with Laure Jaffuel, a French independent designer and art director based in Athens. Through her multi-layered practice, Laure emphasizes on the design and the construction of situations surrounding her objects. In spring 2020, Laure was a participant of the Critical Practices program of Onassis Air, where she investigated the notion of the public space and how the different typologies of public space in Athens deploy strategies to create solidarities, social exchange and collective experiences. Today, we will discuss about her research that culminated in the publication titled All Day, All Night. On this occasion, we have also invited to our discussion one of her mentors, Olga Hadzidaki, an independent curator and co-founder of Tavros. Lor, welcome to Palirum. Hi, Mirto. <laughs> it's a pleasure to talk with you today. And thank you for Italy. accepting this invitation. Thank you so much. Where are you at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm in my studio in uh, Athens. I remember that you've been living in Athens for more than a year, right? Actually, it's been around three years now. I'm like, let's say, on and off. I'm back and forth, but it's been three years. I'm, let's say, around Athens. How how did you decide to make this move? Uh, you know, it was kind of a bit of impulsive move uh, because I was living, you know, more in northern part of Europe before, and I was a bit uh, feeling like I needed to go back to my to some more Mediterranean roots. As I grew up in south of France, you know, I was looking for this kind of ground and, I don't know, Athens kind of uh, caught me, you know. Uh, well, um, I'm very happy. I'm very happy that uh, we've met during the residency. And perhaps so you can briefly introduce yourself and tell us what, what are you working on at the moment and what are you up to in Athens? Uh, so at the moment, I'm actually, uh, let's say, 100% busy with uh, finalizing a publication that is the direct out- outcome of the um, research I was doing at Onassis Air during the residency. So this is, uh, let's say, taking most of my time as uh, we are hopefully going to um, send the file to the printer at the end of the month, um, of, of uh, next month of October. So, uh, you know... This is the main uh, part of my uh, daily activity at the moment. I'm looking forward to take hold of this publication because uh, we've been discussing about it for all these uh, past couple of months. So I'm looking forward to, to see how it comes out and also to, to read it and to, to, to feel it, basically, because I know that you also mm. um, took a lot of care on how this, this book is designed. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's so let's start from the very beginning because I know that you're doing a lot of things, but you're a designer and an art director, mm-hmm. but you also, apart from objects, you also produce spaces and events and you also teach. 
Yes, yes, totally. Uh, so I've been trained, like, let's originally as a product designer, as object designer, but then I completed my studies in uh, Amsterdam with a more, let's say, a transversal kind of master degree, where also that was more applied art master degree. And there I kind of opened up my practice to uh, not only design objects, but to start to uh, include in my design the whole situation that an object can produce, or to design actual, actually the space or the events that um, could gather people or uh, could host a certain situation, etc. So I kind of uh, decided to open up. But I also actually consider all this medium to be completely part of my design practice. And I also a bit intentionally put all those disciplines at the same level. So, How do you manage uh, to merge all these disciplines together? I mean, how, where did you start and how uh, do all these things come together? Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow, because I also believe like a practice is really uh, uh, particular to any designer. So I tried actually to, as a very horizontal way, to include all those kind of medium. So somehow um, I always understood that what I design is actually not an object, but it's how it has been used, or it's not a space, but like, how does it function for the public? So the moment I really started to to state this is my practice as a designer, therefore the actual physicality of the object, or the look of the space, or the duration of the event are becoming actually tools for me to to define situations. And I also realized, like, also, let's say, while doing more projects and seeing what I'm actually truly interested in, that um, um, my practice is really revolving around the idea of constructing collective experience, but also considering object or space as a means of socialization. So this is also, let's say, the kind of backbone of my practice. And therefore, of course, I quite like the idea that... um, you know, those project can become a sound piece, can become a podcast, can become a party, but it can also become, you know, the design of, uh, a, I don't know, like a bench uh, for designing a waiting situation at the entrance of the office building or to design uh, an art center for children, like how, uh, uh, let's say, this kind of city space can host different population and how they can mix together in a singular space, for instance, things like that. Can you can you give us an example of one, let's say, of your earliest projects and how mm-hmm. this uh, this evolved throughout your practice to a more uh, to constructing a more social situation, as you uh, mentioned. Um, maybe I can uh, talk to you about like actually very recent projects. Um, that is a, a public space I designed for the city of Clermont-Ferrand. And I found this project also quite meaningful because it was not originally part of the brief, uh, because I was invited to design, uh, to, to make a very specific uh, custom design for the interior of this art center that is a new uh, art center for children, as I said before. But part of the brief was just the interior. But then when I started to study the, the building, how it was functioning in the neighborhood, how they wanted also to include, uh, to invite parents to come in, uh, I started to realize that I had to design as well the space outside. I had to design also part of this art center. How those people enter the building? How can we uh, inscribe this new space in the, uh, the life of the neighborhood, but also physically in the street. So therefore, um, I propose to the city that I will also design a, a small uh, parvis, like a platea, that is, um, that we had to remove cars also. That was quite a statement. Uh, so we, we kind of transform uh, the pedestrian street plus the car park. Uh, into a public space that will also, of course, invite people to sit and to occupy the street in front of the art center, but also that was a way to inscribe the whole project in the public space of the city and in the social life of the neighborhood. Talking about public space, um, your whole research uh, in Athens, I don't know was about that. So, um, let's go back to the residency and, mm-hmm. 
and see how, how you approach this during your research. The critical practice program was uh, intended for artists and practitioners who were experiencing a certain kind of shift in their practice, mm -hmm. a critical shift, and they needed the time and the space to, to pause and reflect and reposition themselves somehow. So mm -hmm. my question is, what was for you this critical shift at that moment in time? And why did you apply, you, did, you decide to apply for the residency? Mm, I mean, the first reason I applied for the residency is because um, moving to Athens, I had a bit the urge to uh, take some time to be able to address the specific context I was living in as a new city. So that was very specific about Athens. Um, and the second reason was because my practice is really uh, the one of a designer, let's say all my projects are actually commission-based. So, uh, you know, I wanted to have the space to kind of step out from this uh, client economy uh, or this kind of commission-based practice where somehow, which I, I found actually very interesting, that it's a, a project that are always answering a brief. So, of course, I found this extremely resourceful when you uh, conceive a project, when you realize it, even when you produce it. But at some point, I was also missing this moment where I would have to uh, go deeper in my own practice, my own interest, and be able to find for myself uh, what is really the, you know, a subject I could uh, work on without having to be commissioned to, to do so. So basically, the, the very first... Uh, research question was hey, what is public space uh, so this is I think also something that is part of my practice and my interest in general uh, of course then I wanted to precise then what is public space in Athens because it was very for me important that it was specific to this uh, specific context and then more precisely I was um, wondering how uh, different typologies of public space in Athens are deploying strategies to create uh, first solidarities, uh, social exchange, of course, but also collective experience, collective moments. And uh, then when I advanced a bit more so in studying how the city of Athens was functioning, uh, I wanted to look um, how Athens public space could be also a form of model for a social system to be constructed by a vernacular infrastructure. Uh, because we can see that Athens is really uh, self-built. Uh, we can see the ver vernacular architecture, but also objects, even vernacular gestures are everywhere. And this was uh, the first entry point for me to the research subject. I have many questions there because this is such a broad subject and we can approach it from very different perspectives. For example, being an Athenian myself, I completely understand your urge uh, the urge that uh, drove you to research Athens specifically because it's so multifaceted. What you see mm -hmm. in the streets, the different buildings from different periods of time, how they mix with squares that um, are mono, more open and accessible, but at the same time they are not cared, let's say, mm -hmm. for, uh, or they're not clean enough for, for mm -hmm. people to sit. Um, and I mean, taking into consideration how Athens was built, and I, I'm sure this was part of your research, mm -hmm. uh, how the, um, uh, the, the way that we view the city today is part of a, a construction and an ideological construction of um, other countries that was imposed, let's say, to Athens. Um, but in order to try to tackle all the different questions, I was wondering um, if we could start from the question, what is public space for you in general? Mm -hmm. So in general, I would say, uh, I think for me, public space is a question of accessibility. So I think public space is a space that is uh, accessible to everyone regardless of anything. And I think there, of course, we can start to make a list, like regardless of gender, uh, uh, opinion, uh, disability, uh, 
like belief, religion, even uh, social cultural classes. You know, so we can st start to make the list, but I think almost it's pointless because I would say it's uh, regardless of anything. I think this is, should be an actual space that is open for everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, you talked also about the collective experience. Mm -hmm. So in, in this kind of typologies that you were researching, What what is the the defining element of a collective experience for you? Somehow, uh, what I wanted to really also study, especially in the public space, is not the question of. Uh, of course, I, I I like inform myself and I really research how the city was built. What was uh, the urban infrastructure of Athens? How did it grow? Uh, also, what is the urban planning of the city, etc. But somehow. I wanted intentionally to take the research onto a more like ontological perspective on why, why is it essential to have public space in the way people live together in uh, cities and especially in modern cities. Uh, and as well, how public space is it truly, whether it is organized or on, on or unorganized, whether it is actually functioning or dysfunctioning. Public space is always a very essential segment of the social life. So it's very important, actually, there is this moment where people meet, uh, where people can mix, but also where there is a form of social change that can um, appear more informally. Mm -hmm. So it's more this that I specifically wanted to address or to, let's say, research in, into, this, um, into this subject. You also talked about uh, the term vernacular. Would you like to talk a bit about that? I mean, vernacular is a, it's actually a term that is coming from linguistic at the origin. That is a defining a language that is indigenous, uh, very proper to a region, uh, very locally employed, uh, very specific to a, to like a folk, to a region, or even it could be very specific to a period in time. So I like also the fact that it's a term that is coming from linguistic because it's also a way people exchange with each other. Um, something that kind of stay alive by the fact that people are maintaining it by themselves as a group. Uh, and then it, it became um, used in architecture uh, to define vernacular architecture as a movement of kind of uh, construction that has been made without uh, expertise, most often without the intervention of professional, or as we can say, you know, by amateurs. Um, and then I use their, uh, this term vernacular again as an extension outside of on, on his architecture, but as an, as an infrastructure. So meaning, um, vernacular infrastructure would be, uh, an organization that is not necessarily organized or, or kind of legally controlled, uh, but is also like kind of coming from common sense out of a group. Uh, or a, a society or a collective uh, or even like uh, several individuals just being linked by living in the same neighborhood that will, that will um, make gestures that are not necessarily, let's say, ordered uh, or um, organized by the government, for instance, or by any kind of authorities. But again, by adding the, um, the term infrastructure, you're referring to a support system, let's say, uh, a system that mm -hmm. supports this kind of uh, more um, spontaneous experiences, even though it's unorganized. Yes, yeah, somehow is exactly this kind of spontaneous initiatives, uh, but also kind of communal gesture, uh, but as well, I mean, somehow it's also something that grew very organically because it was um, on the long, along the research, I also kind of study the history of Athens and you can also understand why the city, the city of Athens is very hybrid, also very multi-layered, but also you can see a mix of population, activity, landscape, style. It's very mixed. And actually, all this happened very organically because somehow it was a lack of uh, organization by the states of the public space, but also a kind of lack of zoning. So there's, it's a city that's no zoning, so a lack of urban planning kind of transforms the city like organically, 
the city has to grow by itself. So therefore, it generates this landscape that is very specific and also very horizontal, I believe. But the way people live together and also the way actually they use and they occupy uh, the public space, it's also very organic, uh, very multi-layered, I, and I think also very vernacular. Uh, because it was also an answer to uh, a city that grew extremely fast. And they were actually, the urgency of the, of the growing of the city has not been really conceived. Um, so I guess also there is a relation with the history of, of the modern uh, Athens in relation to this uh, kind of vernacular infrastructure that is, of course, also representing, uh, I think, a lack of care from the state. It's compensating this lack of care, uh, lack of care from the state, but also, I think it's very, pro it's highly problematic. So um, I'm trying to have the foreigner high here, and to look at what could be the kind of positive aspect of of such, um, uh, let's say, unorganized growth or unorganized public space. But it's true. It's also good to be critical because it's generating also a lot of uh, problem or conflict in the public space as well. What kind of problems do you think that it causes? Uh, for instance, the fact that um, the street is not very regulated. It generates a lot of, for instance, individual gestures that, of course, are coming from an idea of a common sense, uh, preventing the car to park where they are not allowed to, etc. But they are also actually coming from uh, in an individual, individualistic um uh, purpose. So that, for instance, it's a problem. But okay, I would say also the biggest problem I think of Athens is because there is no real regulation from the state. For instance, the pavement, the pedestrian street is most likely not accessible to disabled. Not even to able, if if we can uh, exactly talk so about that. because there is no regulation. You know, like the size of the uh, pavement or the passage are not regulated. There is no, but there also there is no means to apply. Maybe there is a regulation, but it's not applied. Let's say. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested to hear how did you undig all these different layers. So um, how did you work towards that? Where did you begin the research and? Were there any people that that you that you meet that you met or any other people that you work with closely towards this question? I decided to uh, start the research with um, by by making interviews because somehow that was like a double uh, goal. That the first was I I also believe like this kind of artist residency. Uh, also in such a structure that Onassis Air is kind of a business card that you can approach people you want to get in touch with, with a reason to uh, have a specific research um, in mind. So that was nice because it was also one of the goals of this um, period for me was to meet new people or to meet different actors of the scene, etc. And as well, I really needed to kind of uh, make these interviews to get information, to kind of feed my research with... Uh, let's say the perspective or the expertise of different people from uh, different fields on the subject of public space. So I started also to kind of approach people that were geographers, uh, that were urban planner, planners, architects. Also, I talked to people uh, from the former municipalities that were more um, working on the uh, kind of uh, social uh, department at the municipality. I also did interview with artists, uh, curators, people are kind of also having their own practice within the field of uh, public space. Uh, and also I started to uh, kind of interview people from my hood, like my periptero seller, uh, you know, like also the neighbors that I was um, discussing during the, we did a project with my students from Amsterdam, of course, also addressing public space. And we started also to uh, talk with people in the neighborhood. Which is your neighborhood, Laura? Uh, so uh, my neighborhood is called Agios Pavlos. Uh, it's in between the Metaxurgio and the Stasmos Harisi. I remember that you also interviewed an astrophysicist. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes actually, I'm interested yeah. to hear how uh, he could s provide you some insight into public space from an extraterrestrial <laughs> approach. 
Actually, I, I interviewed him uh, also in a specific moment of the research where, so I interviewed people to have information, so really asking questions about art and public space, how it grew, how it organized, historical questions, etc. But then I started to also add the urge to define what is public space and especially to uh, people um, having expertise in Athens, in the context of Athens. And uh, so my first question will always be, wh what is your definition of public space? Because I was also uh, encountering the problem of, uh, it's really impossible to have a definition of what is a public space because it's ever changing. It's something that is changing according to the political context, to the historical period, uh, to the, actually to the climate, to the geography, to, uh, in which culture are you talking about the size of the city, et cetera. So I thought, okay, I should start to ask all these people during the interview, what is your... So I started to collect, to make a collective definition of what is public space. And I saw this kind of fragments of all these people together was be becoming a quite uh, accurate definition because it was actually not finished, uh, ever evolving, and also... Uh, not completely defined, so it could always be changed. And in, this, in the search of this definition, I thought I should start to address people that have an expertise that is not especially like artists or architects or people from the hood, but what if I ask someone with a complete different expertise, what is his definition of public space as being an expert into the cosmic space? Uh, so that's how I actually end up to, to uh, address this person. And what did you learn from uh, this person? Actually, it's funny because his definition was very down to earth. It was very like scientific, <laughs> almost technical. <laughs> That's very uh, funny. Which I found also quite interesting. Mm. Well, I, I I would like to read a few of the um, of the quotes that you have collected so far, mm -hmm. just to get a better idea of uh, of the differences amongst the. The definitions that he just mentioned. So, for example, I can read here a space controlled by the public. It is the yard we don't have to take a breath. Mm -hmm. Where I pass 18 hours per day. Uh, the space which is in between. Um, another one would be Let's see. I don't know anymore, somebody said. Um, since it reopens, it's a festival every day. So mm -hmm. it, there is this kind of openness and in-betweenness in most of the quotes that I read so far. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why perhaps it's so difficult to, to pin down and to, to try to understand what it is. It always de defies our efforts to define it. Um, so, in, is there a particular space, that a public space in Athens, that you always return to? Uh, you mean uh, on my daily basis? Or? Yes, like a favorite place that, uh, you know, for you, um, it's a place that you can always return to because it encapsulates in a way uh, all the things that you would like to have? I mean, for me, I think it's really like the platea of, of uh, Agios Pavlos, which is in front of the church, which is really one block from um, my place. And I think this, for me, this was a very nice example of, of an actual public space that is really functioning. And it's functioning not because it has been well designed. It's not functioning because it has been well planned. Uh, neither because it's especially nice. I think it's functioning just because it's used. And it's really a place when you can really literally see every day all the people that don't have balcony near their yard are really coming every day to take the sun. So it's a space when you have a mix of population. So you have uh, in terms of ages, uh, gender, uh, uh, like ethnicity, uh, kind of social classes, everybody's mixing. So you have the, all the grandpa, grandma on the benches, all the kids are playing football uh, in front of the church. You have also all the kind of teenage gang, you know, like uh, kind of mixing a bit with each other, kind of flirting a little bit. Then you have also all the mamas 
that are gathering, why they are, they are like having their own interaction, why the kids are playing, you know, they can have their moments together. Then you have the cafe meals on the both sides that have also very specific, uh, you know, kind of people will go. But because there is many, you know, everybody finds crowds. And then, of course, uh, which I found also quite nice is, you know, you have like any kind of uh, people are mixing there. You have also people alone that are just enjoying the fact of being surrounded by others without having to interact with them. Obviously, there's a peritero. Uh, that I've, I think really like because I think it's really like an anchor point of, of any uh, street or any public space of Athens. It's very specific. And I think it's a truly uh, social uh, element in the, in the life of the public space. So all these elements, I found it, I think it's a very good public space because it's functioning. And it's functioning... Uh, not at all because it's, it's designed. Actually, it's very problematic. You see the cars are parking in, actually are driving on the platea, which is completely forbidden. So people started to put, uh, plant pots to recreate a kind of natural fence to avoid people will do that because actually it's forbidden, but there is a lack of, uh, state infrastructure that will, you know, like, a element that are in the pavement, for instance. It's working because of the people. That's really interesting and also uh, very important. I mean, under this weird, very weird time that we are living and uh, due to the, the pandemic and the lockdown and all these kind of things. And I know that you, um, the, the residency took place for you under these very particular conditions that were imposed to all of us. So I was wondering... I mean, how did you approach this? Because you were researching about public space in a period of time where public access to public space mm-hmm. was kind of not allowed, not permitted. It, actually, that was quite challenging. But at the end, I think the fact that we were in this kind of social deprivation time, but as well as we actually, the public space was not allowed to access. I think it was stressing even more the fact for me that uh, what I wanted to research was not at all like a kind of urban questions or even a design question, but really like a social existential question. Like, why is it so important for a society to function, but also why is it so important to the people on their daily life? Um, so it's kind of tre- stressed to me the fact uh, that it is very primordial. And actually, um, it was still very relevant question, even though actually even more because we were deprived from it in a way. And secondly, uh, the kind of uh, maybe positive thing about having to conduct this research on this moment of complete isolation, uh, it was because I'm a designer, I always this tendency to have the wish to make things like physical things. Um, And that was also kind of my intention when I entered the residency I wanted to make but all of a sudden I was kind of deprived from the tools from the workshops from the material from the supplier from anything so um, of course it kind of pushed me to consider what could be my new tools my new medium what can I do uh, what can I produce let's say as a physical outcome uh, without uh, being able to use all the tools I have normally as a designer or the materials. Uh, so it's also why I decided to make a publication because it was a format that I could make during the moment of the pandemic, of the lockdown. So in a way, it, it really meant a break within your usual practice and your habits and the patterns, the designing patterns that you were following before. Um, totally, yeah, yeah. And within this context, because I know that um, in, con- in comparison to other residents, for example, you didn't have uh, the chance to spend so much time in the house of an Azizir. And um, I was wondering what was, you know, the most interesting part of the residency for you within this context? What was something that stayed with you? I would say, I mean, I think all the multiple people I met and I interviewed and I think it was it really was like the encounters 
You know, I mean, I think it's quite rare to have this time frame uh, in a practice that generates that many encounters. I mean, of course, uh, to start with uh, Onassis Air Team, the other residents, of course, we could not uh, see each other for the lockdown period, but I think we really kind of create a strong links. So that is, I, I think, really nice, even with the pre previous participants. And of course, continuing this dialogue, uh, making interviews, also inviting a lot of different people to contribute to my research uh, by uh, asking them to contribute to my work. Um, it generated like numerous encounters. And I, I think for me, this is really like what was the most valuable part of this uh, residency. It's, of course, the human exchange and other people I met. And now, of course, deciding to make a publication it generates even more like by making it. And I hope also it will become a tool to continue to meet more people after by uh, distributing it. Uh, so I would say yes. Well, uh, we'll get back to the publication for sure before we close this conversation. We are about to welcome one of these people that uh, you encountered during the residency, which was one of your two research mentors. Olga Hadzidaki. So, uh, so I think was... Olga is here and we can welcome her. Hi, Hi, Hi Olga. Yes, How Olga. are you? Hi. Can you hear me well? Yes, perfect. I wanted to hear from you what, uh, what is public space for you and how have you worked so far around this um, concept? Okay. Um, so, before you raise the question of terming, uh, of coining the term, my own personal term, I was about to, to suggest that this intersection of our work, of our uh, field work, is not just public space, it is the people, it is communities. It, it, it could be a very small group of people, it could be even individuals, but primarily it's, it's about people. It's about the commons. Laura also mentioned a lot during our conversation this aspect of the communal that is an integral element for her in the definition of space and public space more specifically. And I guess this is also where you two kind of, you three, uh, let's say, uh, connected. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the, there was this meeting point of of collective voices that gather for for Lore's, uh book, which initially was a research, uh, which led to a book. Uh, this merging of voices, which who all thought together on a common subject from very different di and diverse uh, backgrounds. This links quite well to our long-standing now practice of of different vo of diverse voices who through their practice through their uh, empirical knowledge bring very different forces to our projects every time so how did you how did it all start it start Laura, uh, can you tell me uh, how did you first connect with uh, maria thalia nolgan how uh, why did you choose them to be your mm. mentors? Or how this I mean, mentor scheme worked? Uh, I was actually following their work also since a uh, since few years now. I was like uh, looking at uh, several projects they did before. We had like also a common, uh, uh, maybe uh, collaborators or so people I know, they work with them. So I was following them up. And of course, at the moment that I was looking for this kind of, uh, you know, uh, other eye on my practice, but also people that would be very much inscribed in attention that as, as Olga was saying, that could also uh, orientate me toward different people or introduce me to different voices. Uh, I thought it was very interesting their their work in relation to uh, community project, social projects, also neighborhood inscripted project, but as well uh, project taking place like art project taking place in public space or in um, different locations that are not necessarily always the, the white cube, for instance. So I was very interested in their practice, and because they are both um, Greek uh, actors of the Athens scene and 
um, I was imagining as well, knowing quite well uh, what would be, uh, you know, the kind of agency of how to do, how does the public space work? Um, I thought they were very relevant people to, to work with. And as I said before, when you do this kind of residency and there's people you quite like and you want to approach and you have the best uh, reason ever to, to work to people with people you kind of want to approach, you know, with this kind of research. I, w I wanted to add that the, the whole project and discussion and, you know, this long Uh, standing now conversation we all three have had since I don't remember when because COVID just you know uh, disrupted our normal normal timeline of you know events so it feels like a very long time um, it it actually came like lore appeared out of nowhere <laughs> it's a very good uh, moment because we had just initiated, just opened um, our space and of course our strategy and our agency uh, towards our space is again towards public space and the area and the neighborhood and the locality. So while discussing all these issues with Lore, we are constantly preoccupied on looking outside of the space towards the people, their stories, uh, the architecture, redesigning, improving, uh, understanding who, where we are and how we can all come together. So, so there, there are two levels for us that, you know, the book, the lore, her, her, her whole perspective and who we are and how we think of Davros, which of course comes after Galileo City, comes after ge geometries, is an accumulation of, of thinking, now focusing on this very but wide area. So it was a conversation that actually worked kind of both ways, let's say, for you. That's really nice. Um, but uh, we've been discussing a lot, mentioning the book, Uh, and I'd like uh, you both to talk a bit about this publication, which is the continuation and, let's say, the culmination of the research or a space that remains open. I think it's both, actually. It's totally a continuation of the research in the sense that it's kind of... A Uh, proposing an ongoing dialogue that is, of course, with the object of a book is, I hope, will continue uh, to address the subject with different people. So the book also can become an agent to continue this conversation. Um, but as well, add also a bit the urge to, I think it was so rich, this uh, three months of research, that add the urge to also make an outcome out of it, something tangible that um, could be traced also, you know, that the... Um, kind of what was uh, the research about, uh, but also as a way to kind of give a voice to others. Because I think it's a subject that's, you know, I was at the idea that it cannot be a monologue. For me, it was really something, uh, as we said many times now, that was really a human adventure, like including many people. And I thought a book is a format that's also a collective platform. And intentionally, I decided that there will be not only my voice in there, but actually I include the voice of uh, many other people uh, into the publication. And you've referred to it before as a space for gathering, which I think mm -hmm. is, a, is a really nice allegory to what we have been discussing before. And uh, I'd like to ask you both, uh, what is... What are your roles in the publication and what other voices are we going to read and listen to while we, uh, we read to this publication? Uh, the publication is uh, actually taking also intentionally the format of more political or fictional um, uh, objects. So I kind of intentionally decided to not do like kind of... Uh, a theoretical essay about how uh, Athens is constructed or either a kind of uh, social or ethnographical analysis. I thought I really wanted to take the kind of side of the uh, fiction, the metafiction, or even actually the, the poesy um, into, 
into this publication as a way also to address a, a subject that is actually highly political and critical, but with a kind of uh, a more uh, human, let's say, a humanitarian vision. And uh, obviously, there is a lot of people that uh, contribute to this text that has been actually introduced to me or suggested by uh, Olga and Maria Talia. So I think they really contribute to uh, make this team. But as well, afterwards, I asked them to uh, write the preface of the book, which I thought they were the most relevant person to do so. And uh, um, Olga, would you like to, to say a few things about publication? I would like to mention that, first of all, I feel that this whole, this whole process is much wider than the book. So it's a, it's a very long process. There are so many people, so much, so many discussions, so many things said. So it's a very, really difficult final task to decide what remains and what is left aside. Uh, so the editing aspect that, of course, Laura has the full responsibility is extremely difficult when it comes to so many interesting people coming together. Uh, at the same time, this, this book, this object is indeed like a poem for the city. It is like a, a love item, like there is a relationship, an erotic relationship to the city which could be a metaphor for any city, but it happens to be our city. Uh, <laughs> um, and throughout the process uh, leading to the book, I think we were trying to listen to lore, like become the audience, um, become the, 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 the extra eyes, the, the extra pair of eyes who can perhaps see a few things but i also feel that we tried to avoid we try to avoid directing too much just raising a few questions or when Laura wanted to discuss a question like or an agony to give our own perspective and be broad and and as kaleidoscopic mm -hmm. as like that is Takis uses this description for Takis Katsabanis to describe Athens. This uh, happens to be a good description also for the book and for for um, for the process. I really like the idea of uh, the city as a poem. And I remember in your research material, Laura, there was an article that uh, its title was Cities Are Built with Language, which I find really, really interesting. So um, before we close, Laura, shall we, um, would you like to tell us the, the names of the, of the people that are contributing to the publication and how did Absolutely. you choose them? Uh, so the publication will be articulated in several parts. Of course, the introduction part, we will have the preface from uh, a locus attens uh, that will be followed by this kind of collective definition that I also believe is a, it's a kind of form of fragmented poem that I put it together, uh, extracting one single quote, uh, one single phrase, even a fragment of a phrase from the numerous interviews I made. So it's becoming uh, this kind of collective definition. Um, I will not cite all these people because there's around 20 <laughs> that I uh, chose at the end. Uh, but after that, the, the book is organized in three chapters. And for each chapter, I decided to invite one writer that is also uh, most likely not a theoretical writer. I uh, decided to invite people that are novel writer, uh, metafiction writer, even poets. Um, and uh, for each chapter, I also invited one person to make an illustration uh, for a, a, a fictional event, like an imaginary event I designed. And for, which, for each event, I decided to make a poster. And for each poster, I invited an artist uh, to make the visual. So uh, for the first chapter, that is called uh, Togetherness, uh, I invited uh, actually um, uh, Tristan Berra, with a, a French writer that is based in Athens to make a text. Uh, and then uh, I invited uh, Isabelle Maudoui, who is a graphic designer and illustrator to make the, the image for the poster. Then for the second um, um, chapter that's called Care, uh, then the text is a poem by Dimitra Ioannou, 
Uh, and the illustration uh, is actually um, a drawing from a French uh, artist called Marie Jacoté. And the third chapter is called Public Intimacy. And for this part, uh, I proposed to Takis Katsabanis to write um, a piece of text with a, a actually a mostly a novel writer, a Greek novel writer. Uh, and the illustration of the poster will be made by um, a Greek illustrator that's called Natalie Mavrota. It, in, in your case, uh, Lore, it, it, what happened eventually is very interesting. You came up with your own methodology. You, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, I, I feel primarily you, base, you raised the question, okay, how can I make a book about all my thoughts and research around Athens, about microstructures, about micro-interventions, about public space, Athenian, Mediterranean, etc. And once you decided to, about the format, then you started thinking about structuring this book and, 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 the, and the process which would structure this book or, you know, the process made you think about the structure. So it was a very interesting experiment, which is your own hybrid uh, outcome. Mm -hmm. I feel like Laura has been the architect of the book, the designer, the interior yes. designer of the book, everything, <laughs> and the, the publisher. We didn't talk about the publisher, though. Actually, yes, it's a very good uh, point because it's run the, along the research. There were a moment that, you know, I'd also the urge to have more like, um, as we say, like um, not a research mentor, but more a production mentor to really address all this question of like the logistics, the production, the materiality of the book, but also, you know, very practical question like translation because the book uh, we decided will be translated in Greek. So I decided to work with Fanis uh, Delatios, who is owning uh, Dolce Publishing House, which is also actually a production um, a place where he's managing the whole production of the book. And it was also a very great uh, moment because we started to discuss the physicality of the object, what is the agency of the object, you know. Uh, because, of course, I think all the design choices such as paper, cover, ink, uh, size are also defining how the object is accessible, how the, how the object is received, how can you um, distribute it to who, uh, to which audience is it addressing its content, etc. So we started also to uh, ask all these questions together with Fanny. That was really nice. Uh, I thought, because it's a very important as well part of the project. I'm looking forward to hold this publication, to see it printed. Um, thank you both so much. It's been a really fruitful conversation and I hope that uh, you enjoyed you it. Thank you also. I'm, I'm much looking forward to also touching the pages, the cover, looking at the cover and... and Placing it on my shelves. <laughs> <laughs> and so do I, actually. I mean, I have to say, after all this time, I'm very eager to see uh, finally this object going out. So thank, thank you very much both for the conversation, but also all this time uh, working together. Thank you too, ladies. And I hope that our paths will cross soon in uh, the Athenian streets. And we'll meet Absolutely. each other soon. Indeed. Indeed. See you at the streets. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to more conversations, please subscribe to our channel. You can find more about the UNASSA residency program and each participant at www.onasis.org. This series is produced by UNASSA. Thanks to Nikos Kolias, the sound designer of the series, and to Nikos Liberis for providing the original music intro theme. <laughs>